And this morning, as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord, I love just to honor God's Word. And uh, one way we can honor His Word is just in reverence, standing as we read it. Uh, this morning, it's not mandatory, it doesn't make you any more spiritual, but I just think we ought to honor God's Word. Amen. The book of Luke, chapter number 10 this morning, is where we're beginning. Luke, chapter 10, we're going to begin reading with verse number 30. Read down and include verse number 37. It says, Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked, and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him. And whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And Jesus said, he who showed mercy on him. Or then he said, uh, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Father, we thank you for your incredible, incredible word. Father, I thank you, Father, that you have blessed us with your word, that you didn't leave us, Lord, just to to struggle in in our lives, but, Lord, you gave us a roadmap. Lord, you gave us direction. Lord, you gave us instructions. God, you have given us help, Lord, to live an overcoming life. Father, I just pray, Lord, that you will bless uh, the word that is presented here today. God, I pray that you'll give us ears on our heart today. Let us hear the word of God. But then as we hear it, Lord, may we not just be content to be hearers of your word, but God, may we put in practice in a practical manner, in a practical way, the word of God so we can become doers of your word as well. All of these things we ask in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, praise the Lord. You may be reseated this morning. Today we're going to continue a series of messages that I began last Sunday morning. And by the way, if you were not here last Sunday morning, I would uh, encourage you to get online and listen to the message uh, last uh, Sunday so you can be caught up with us because we are in a series of messages. I'm calling this series of messages Pearls from the parables. Pearls from the parables. You see, most of the recorded teaching uh, and ministry of Jesus included a parable or a story that Jesus, that Jesus told. Jesus used a lot of illustrations in his preaching and in his teaching. And he would tell a parable or he would tell a story, and he did that in order to illustrate his teaching or the point that he wanted to get across. The parable that I have chosen for today is the parable of the Good Samaritan. It's a a parable, it is a story that that, that we heard a lot when we were kids growing up in Sunday school, and all of us should be very familiar with this story uh, that Jesus told of the Good Samaritan. 
This morning I, I have picked four pearls from this parable uh, that I want to just uh, spend a few moments this morning talking about. Uh, hopefully they will be a, a blessing and benefit to your life this morning. Number one this morning, I, I find in this parable that life supplies us with plenty of bumps and bruises. How many would agree with that this morning? Life supplies us with plenty of bumps and bruises. Let, let's read verse number uh, 30 again. Said Jesus uh, said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. This guy's got some bad stuff going on in his life. Would you agree? Job said in Job chapter number 14 and verse number 1, he said, man who is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. How many of you are encouraged now? Just as a man in this parable was wounded and, and beaten up and bruised, so most of us have had more than our share of bumps and bruises as you and I have walked along the, the road called life. We, we, we've had our share of, first of all, physical bruises. Physical bruises. Now, w- whether it be uh, some, by some type of accident or some type of injury, whether it be by, by, by disease, most of us have suffered in our bodies, and some more than, than others. When I was a, a kid growing up, I, I was an accident waiting to happen. My parents said I was accident prone. I have scars uh, from my head all the way down to my feet uh, from childhood accidents. I, I was an accident looking uh, to happen. Well, thankfully, I've enjoyed great health and relatively an accident-free adult life so far. But, but, but perhaps you have not been so blessed. Perhaps you have not been so, so fortunate. John Hagee says that after 60, it's just patch, patch, patch. But not only does life supply us with plenty of physical bruises, but also emotional bruises. Most of us carry around some emotional scars. Perhaps you were not affirmed by your father as as a child. Maybe you grew up in a dysfunctional family. Um, Maybe you were abused as a child, or or maybe your marriage turned into an abusive situation. Maybe you were the kid that that always got picked on uh, at school. Maybe you just were never smart enough, or cute enough, or tough enough, or fast enough, or at least you didn't think you were. And maybe you always felt inferior because of your height, or maybe it was because of your weight, or, 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 maybe, or maybe because your family didn't seem to measure up financially. You know, all, all, of your, all of your friends and, and, and all of those kids that you grew up with, man, they seem to have everything. They seem to be living on, on easy street. They seem to have all of the stuff, and, and for whatever reason, you didn't seem to have what everyone else one man said that, he said, men, he said, we were so poor when I was growing up. He said, the poor people called us poor. Now, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty poor. I don't know. It could be that, that you have experienced one too many disappointments in life. 
Um, so many of your hopes, so many of your dreams uh, have just not come true. Oh, perhaps people have let you down. And because people have let you down, now you have trust issues. Maybe, maybe disappointment has grown into depression and you find yourself feeling beaten up and emotionally bruised. And then there's, there's the spiritual bruises. Spiritual bruises. You know, nothing is worse than, than getting beat up spiritually. Um, maybe your spiritual hero turned out to actually be a spiritual zero. Uh, perhaps the prophecy that you received just doesn't seem to be coming to pass. Recent, recently, a, a, a minister told me, he said, when, when is the prophecy that I was going to do great and mighty things and I was going to preach to multitudes? And, and he just laid out all of the things that he was prophesied when he was a kid growing up and especially at youth camp when the camp evangelist would, would tell him all of these great things that he was going to happen in his life. He said, when is this going to happen to me? Perhaps the preacher said, if you'd just pray enough, if you'd just read the word enough, if you'd just give enough, I'll just, just, just. Oh, you've done it all, but it just doesn't seem to be working out for you. Nothing worse than spiritual bruises. What can we learn from our parable today? Number one, we can learn that life supplies us with plenty of bumps and bruises. The man in this story didn't seem to be doing anything wrong. Didn't seem like he was doing anything wrong. Didn't seem like, you know, that he ought to deserve that which was coming to him. He was just traveling down the road, just minding his, his own business, just, just, just on a journey going from here to there. And yet suddenly, seemingly from out of nowhere, and evil, evil men appear, they rob him, they beat him up, and they leave him wounded and leave him. You don't know how I wish that I could tell you, oh, if you would just pray enough, oh, if you'd just read the word enough, oh, if you would just give enough, oh, if you'd just come to church enough, oh, that nothing bad would ever happen to you, that your life would always be perfect and always be wonderful. I would love to be able to tell you that, but I must tell you this morning that life will give you more than your share of bumps and bruises. And it's true for saint and sinner alike. Amen. Notice the second pearl that I uh, have chosen to pull from this parable this morning, and that is the people who should help us often don't. The people who should help us often don't. Let's look at verses 31 and 32. It says, by chance, a certain priest came down that road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. <laughs> Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. The religious leaders of the day, the priests, the man of God, the Levite, the staff, the helpers. The religious leaders of the day did absolutely nothing to help this poor man who lay in the road dying. 
The people who should help us often don't. Why? Why would they not help him? Why, why would people choose not to help you? Why would they choose not to help me when we are wounded, when we are bruised, when we are hurting, when we are needing? Why would those that ought to help us, those that should help, why would they choose not to help? Let me give you three possibilities. Number one, maybe it's because of their schedule. Maybe they didn't help that day because of their schedule, man. I mean, these are men of God on a mission, man. They got to they got, they, they got to go. They got ministry to do. I mean, no, it, it takes time to help needy people. It takes time to be in ministry. And time is money. Perhaps these religious leaders looked at at this man and said to themselves, this is a serious situation. This situation will will require way too much of my time that I'm willing to invest. And so they just kept on going. Maybe they didn't help him because of their selfishness. I mean, the man had been robbed. The bandits had taken all of his money, and so this man is is, is broke, and it's going to take some of their money to get involved with this man. I mean, sometimes it takes an investment of finances to be involved in ministry. And perhaps they thought, we need our money for our own needs. Perhaps, perhaps they weren't willing to share what they had. And because they were not willing to share what they had, they just kept on going. And then it could have been because of their self-righteousness. They didn't help because of their self-righteousness. What was this man doing out here on this road anyway? I mean, it was known this is a bad road, man. This is a, this is a, this is a dangerous place to be. This is a dangerous road to, to travel on. And perhaps they were thinking, what in the world did he do to deserve this? Surely he had done something to deserve this. He probably provoked the robbers, no doubt they thought. He probably thought, or they probably thought they, he brought this problem on himself. What is the second pearl from this parable? The people who should help us often don't. And how about us? How about us this morning? What what excuse do we use for not helping the bruised? Well, what excuse do we use for not helping the wounded? Is it our schedule? Is it our schedule? But Pastor, I'm so busy. We're all busy. Do we not get involved in ministry because of our schedule? Are we so busy going from here to there? We're so busy doing this and doing that and doing something else. We're so busy with our, our three favorite people, I, me, and my. Is it our selfishness? Let me ask you this this morning. Have, have we created a lifestyle for ourselves that has no financial margin in it?
And so when we see a need, even if we wanted to help, we couldn't because we are so financially strapped. We have no financial margin. We built our life around I, me, and my, my wants, my wishes, my dreams, my hopes, trying to keep up with the Joneses. Trying to have the latest and the greatest, the new and the improved. And because that we're living from paycheck to paycheck, because that we have because of that we have no financial margin, and because we have no financial margin, when a genuine need we see a genuine need, even if we would want to help, even if we if we would have love and compassion oh, for them, yet we are unable to help because we have no financial margin to give from. Turn to your neighbor and say, only pastor could get finances out of this. <laughs> this is the reason years ago my wife and I created a giving fund. A giving fund. Hey, you've got a vacation fund? You should have a giving fund. My wife and I years ago created a giving fund. We started placing X amount of money out of every single paycheck into a giving fund. And the fund would grow over time. And we would never touch that money except when a legitimate need would arise, when God would speak to our heart, when God would touch our heart in behalf of a need. And so when God would touch our heart because of a need, we could go to the giving fund and there was money there to give. And we could always give because we had planned to give. See, God doesn't have to shake me and turn me upside down and shake it out of me to give. I plan to give. I'm going to give. I want to give. I'm going to give. And so I have made a plan so that when I need to give or when I have an opportunity to give, I have a fund I can go to and there's some money there to give. We can always give because we plan to give by creating and consistently contributing to our giving fund. And as a leader, I must lead by example. Well, pastor preaches on tithing because he's a, you know, he gets some of the tithe. Let me tell you something, I tithe. I don't just preach tithing, I'm a tither. And my tithing is required. If I don't tithe, my district will pull my papers and I'll no longer be your pastor. Maybe they got something. Maybe we need to do something around here like that. <laughs> Pull your membership, amen. I should anyway, because you promised on the membership 101 that you'd be a tither. All right, we're not going to go down that road too far, all right. But as a leader, I must lead by example. I'm a tither. I, I tithe, but not only do I tithe, I also, I also give. I never, I never ask you to give to a missionary, but what I'm going to lead you in the giving. I never ask you to give to a building or a building project, but what I'm going to lead you into giving. And so if I'm going to lead you, then I better have something to lead you with. And so I better have a plan, and my plan in place is every single paycheck, a portion of that money is put in a giving fund so that when the need arrives, Amen. When I see someone beat up and bruised and wounded, when I see a need that is legitimate and God speaks to my heart, I have money to give. 
That's the reason why every time my wife and I say, well, you know, we'll give 1000 Listen, I didn't give it all that day. I've been putting in there. First of all, I can do it. Amen? Amen. Because we have planned to give, we have saved in order to give. And so I recommend a giving fund for everyone here today. Why don't we help those in need? Well, it might be because of our schedule. And it might be because of our selfishness. And it might be because of our self-righteousness. It might be because of our self-righteousness. We are so quick to judge. So quick to judge, to criticize the fine fault. We love to categorize sin. We say stealing's an eight, adultery's a nine, homosexuality is a ten. We love to categorize sin. And then on the other hand, we say, well, you know, lying, especially those little white ones, you know, and, and cheating. And gossip. Three, four. What does the book say? First Corinthians chapter six, verse nine and ten says, "Don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols." or who commit adultery, or who are male prostitutes, or practice homosexuality, or are thieves. Yeah, 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 right, 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 right. Uh-oh. Or greedy people, or drunkards, or are abusive, or who cheat people. None of these, none of what? None of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19 through 21. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Notice that sins like greed and anger and envy and selfish ambition are in the very same list of sins that include adultery, drunkenness, prostitution, and homosexuality. It seems that God doesn't categorize sin. So if you want me to get up here on Sunday morning and single out one particular sin, what if I start with yours? What if I start with mine? 
We should not categorize sin. Let me tell you that our policy at the Grace Place is to hate sin but love the sinner. That was a poor response. Our policy at the Grace Place is to hate sin but love the sinner. Do I hate homosexuality? Absolutely. But I love the homosexual. Do I hate lying? Yeah, especially when you're doing it about me. Do I love liars? Yes. Amen? And let me just tell you, I'm not going to be the police. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to be the police. Trying to police everything. Our policy is we hate sin, we love sinners. And sinners are welcome at the grace place. Whether you're a liar or you're gay. As I read my Bible, you're in sin. And we hate your sin, but we love you. Amen? Amen? And just because we choose to love the sinner does not mean that we have condoned their sin. See, even Jesus was criticized for loving sinners and hanging out with them. All right, let's look at the third pearl I find in this parable this morning. The people least likely to help us often do. Let's read verses 33 through 35 again this morning. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Out of all the people that this man should expect help from, it was the the one least likely who did. He was a Samaritan. Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile. They they were the outcasts of the society. They they were treated badly. They they didn't receive any respect. People were prejudiced against them. They, they, They were shunned. And yet this Samaritan was the only one to stop. Why are people who are the least likely to help the ones who often do? First of all, let me suggest because of their compassion. Because of their compassion. Verse number 33, but a certain Samaritan, when he saw him, he had compassion. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8 says, have compassion for one another. Love as a family. Be tenderhearted and be courteous. But not only because of their compassion, but also because of their character. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18 says, If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or a sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other, but let us show the truth by our actions. Let me ask you this this morning. What about our compassion? What about our compassion? What about our 
character? Do we have true compassion for those that have been wounded and bruised? Do our actions prove that, that we are people of impeccable character? Are we people who, who do right by people simply because it's the right thing to do? Let me ask you this this morning. Can we do the right thing even when we have been wronged? Can we do the right thing even when, when someone who failed to help us when we needed help, when they reach a point in, the, in life when they need our help, do we help them? Or do we remind them of the time when they failed to help us when we needed help? Let me ask you this this morning. Did Jesus say to do unto others as they have done unto us? Or did Jesus say do unto others as or the way you would want others to do unto you? Let's look at the fourth and final pearl in this parable this morning. Those of us who have been helped should help others. Those of us who have been helped should help others. Pastor, no one's ever helped me. Really? I guess you changed your own diaper. I guess you burped yourself when you were a baby. Yeah, some have received more help than others, and yes, there have been a lot of people that needed help that didn't get help, but I'm going to tell you, all of us have been helped somewhere down the line. Let's read verses 36 and 37. Jesus says, So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go. And do likewise. Very quickly this morning, I want to suggest two reasons why we should react to hurting people the same way the Good Samaritan did in this parable. Number one is because of our gratitude. I wish I could preach on gratitude every Sunday. I don't know if you deem me successful or not, but whatever little success that I've had in my life, let me tell you, one of the biggest things I attribute to is an attitude of gratitude. I'm a lot of things, but ungrateful is not who I am. I'm a very grateful person. And I believe that goes long, that, that, that takes us a long way in life. Amen. 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 2 Corinthians 1 and 4 says, The Lord comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others in their trouble, comfort them with the same comfort that we were comforted with in our trouble. So those of us who have been helped should help others. See, see, nobody ought to be, no one should have to be begged to work for God. No one should have to be begged to give to the work of the Lord. We should go and we should give and we should do all out of a heart of gratitude. Let me ask you this this morning. Where, where were you when, when, when God saved you? Most were battered and bruised and beaten up by life. Let me ask you this morning, before you met Jesus, where were you headed? Let me ask you before Jesus, where, well, what was your future like? Let me ask you this morning, without Jesus, where would you be today? Without Jesus, let me ask you, where would you spend eternity? 
Oh, I hate to think what my life would be like without Jesus Christ. What would my life be like if, what, if I had not lived for Jesus nearly all of my life? Where would I be today? Oh, would I still have my wife? Would I still have my kids? Would I still have my grandkids? Would I still have my health? How would I be emotionally? Where would I be? What would my life be if it hadn't been for Jesus? I can't speak for you this morning, but I have no quarrels with God. He's been good to me far better than I deserve. And so daily I practice an attitude of gratitude. Daily I recite a list of things I'm thankful for. Sometimes I'm 15, 20, 25 minutes into my prayer and I haven't even got out of praise because I am grateful and I am thankful because God has been so good to my life. Amen. And I am grateful and thankful and I love to spend time in His presence just thanking Him and praising Him not only for what He's doing and what He's done, but what He has kept me from. An old song says, roll back the curtain of memory now and then. Show me where you brought me from and where I could have been. Remember, I'm human and humans forget. So remind me, remind me, dear Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and the Lord needs to roll back the curtain of memory today. Maybe here this morning you need to remember where you were. You need to remember where you were headed. You need to know and understand where you could be today if it wasn't for the grace of God. If He did not save you, if He did not not cleanse you, if He did not make you right, we ought to serve Him out of gratitude this morning. Those of us who have been helped should help others because of our gratitude, but also because of our generosity. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, let's look there real quickly this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1 through 5. Moreover, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. May I submit to you this morning that God's people should be the most generous people on the planet. We ought to be the most generous people on the planet. Let me ask you this this morning. What if God had been stingy with us? What if God had been stingy with us? John 3.16 said that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe upon him would not have to perish but could have everlasting life. The Bible teaches us that the only hope for man and his salvation is the death, amen, of the spotless son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. But I ask you this morning, what if God had said, no, no way, man is not worth the death of my son. What if God had said, the death of my son is just too much to ask. Don't ask. I'll give you anything else, but I'm not willing to give you my son. I won't. I won't. I'm just not willing to give that much. What if God had said that? What if God would have treated us like we treat him? What if God would have practiced generosity in the way that you and I practice generosity? God, I'll give you this area and that area, but stay out of that area. People say no to God every single day. 
They say no to tithing. They say no to giving. They say no to going. They say no to doing. But I ask you this morning, how could any of us say no to God? Oh, I understand you can say no to pastor. I understand that, and people do that all the time. I understand. I'm no better than you are. I can understand you saying no to pastor, but how could any of us, how could any of us that are sitting here this morning that are saved, any of us this morning, amen, that have been bought by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, how could any of us here this morning say no to God when God asked of us? He gave us his best. God gave up His one and His only Son for us. He did for us what we could never ever do for ourselves. How in the world do we have the audacity to say no to Him? Those of us who have been helped should help others. Whether we've received help from people or whether it be from God. But because of our gratitude and because of our generosity, those of us who have been helped should help others. Finally, this morning, true generosity is when we give to someone who can never repay us. Kristen Hunter, if you'll come this morning, please. Our mission statement at the Grace Place is caring people. Caring for people. 